a message to the British Asian community. Solidarity. Raising your voice against injustice should be a given formality. A history of oppression has pressured our liberality. So why so many silent when discrimination's a familiarity? Black lives matter when your colours attacked, but my communities retract like it's a matter of fact. Smoking mirrors of clouded visions and forgetting atrocities. Made a little paper, now they're all model minorities. Ask Preeti Patel, is it triumph or is it tokenism? Soaked up in this ocean of power trapped in colonialism. They turn a blind eye, the other view is all irrational. Ignorance of the fact that our journeys were both parallel. Shared the same prejudice, spat on doing services. Shared the same struggles trying to formulate their sentences. Shared the same resilience, shared the same sentiments. Shared the same desires escaping high-rises and tenements. Shared the same labels, either criminals or terrorists. Stopping such as regular, dependent on the melanin. Shared the same nemesis, the Powells and the Mosleys. Rode defiant on the rivers of blood together boldly. Burnt the candle at both ends with the flames in the foundries. Face the national front face on with faces unflinching proudly. And all this after looting all our riches galore. Carried the empire on our back like we were holding the door. They still feed us to the lions when their back's against the wall. But the bigger our revolution, the harder society falls. Only minorities combined can make majorities dethroned. Black squares ain't enough to challenge the status quo. We can all do in our power to do a little bit more. Salutations and welcome to another episode of The Native Immigrants. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. So at the start of the show, you would have heard yours truly uh, talking about solidarity, something that is a continuation of our show last week. And the um, week before. And the week before. Uh, I'm a rapper, so... Uh, the best way for me to deliver my message was in the form of rap. Mm -hmm. And thank you to everyone that shared that video across all my social media platforms. I've got a great response from it. Um, but it wasn't so much about, you know, what people thought of me and my lyrics and bars and stuff. It was more the message to the British Asian community. Um, we need to show more solidarity. We need to show more support. Still don't feel there's enough of that. Um, and so just doing my part to to get that voice across to people yeah and i have seen some examples of the problem with our community yeah i've seen things like you know kind of calling the black lives matter movement um racist towards white people from yeah. an asian an asian saying that yes um and i was just dumbfounded absolutely dumbfounded at that statement um but yeah a lot of that stuff um and you know and a lot of really heartbreaking um but also really inspiring posts from the the black people that are on my um the social media people that i know on facebook and instagram and and twitter it's been insightful to see how they feel. I mean, there was one person that I've known since I was four. Mm. You know, we've been, we went to school together. We were friends from the age of four. And uh, we lost touch in recent years. 
but she's on my Facebook and I saw her message of just kind of people just forgetting that she's black mm. and saying things about other people in front of her and then going, no, 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 we don't mean you. Yeah, you're okay. Yeah, you're okay. We don't mean you. We mean that lot over there. And she's like, no, like I'm, I'm in that group of that lot. Like you can't say these things in front of me. And she just had it for years. And I think when she was younger, she probably just put up with it. But now she's older and she's got a child of her own. Mm. She's like, no, like I can't, I can't be around people like you. I need to cut you out of my life because you're shit, basically. Yeah, and you treated yeah, me yeah. like shit. And, you know, and she just kind of had felt forced to deal with it because that was her friendship group for when she was younger. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're teenagers <clears throat> and stuff, she, she had this crew. And so I think she's let a lot of people go. And it's just really like, it's just eye opening. Yeah, yeah. To see absolutely. that you know that she because I she was always so popular. I just never thought that she got that kind of stuff. Well, you got to imagine, you know, Newcastle's not the most ethnically diverse city, especially back then in in what this would have been the, the eighties and maybe early nineties. Yeah, where you know you guys were very much the minority, um, and and that's black and Asian, and so. But I mean, there was even less black people when I was in Newcastle. There's a lot more Asians, um, even now I think, than there was. Then yeah. there is um, black people. There's there's a lot more black people now because there was um, there was a lot of people coming from Africa in the kind of late nineties. Yeah. Um, but before that, there was hardly anyone. So you can yeah you can imagine from their perspective because like you talk about the fact that you didn't get as much like racial discrimination um, during your kind of school years etc. But that's not necessarily the case for a lot of you know people. I think that's because our primary school, so this girl went to the same primary school as me um, and our primary school was very close knit and our teachers were very, very on the ball with teaching us about um, inclusion and kind of just being very inclusive in terms of, you know, we would we would talk about all the religious festivals whenever they were happening, yeah. whether there was somebody from that background or not, we learned about it in assembly and you know and that kind of just kind of appreciating other cultures and singing songs from other cultures and all that kind of stuff yeah. i mean our school was run by pretty much like ex-hippies and so it was really important to them and so we never felt like that we were different from each other yeah and young kids don't i don't think unless they learn it from home um luckily i think most of us didn't hear that kind of stuff at home and those that did didn't really repeat it at school like we didn't think that way at school mm. um it was when we went to secondary school obviously you start hanging out with different groups and and that kind of stuff and then i guess she fell in with the kind of crowd that thought it was okay to say those things yeah but then go yeah. no 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 we don't mean you yeah of course yeah. and um and i i was really lucky that i didn't have that kind of crowd at school like i didn't hang out with those kind of people at school like my my people were my people they didn't ever say anything that was out of order when it came to racial stuff yeah but I, for me i still feel that that's not um the the common trait for people no, within those not. cities so um you know your experience um was a greatly positive one but i i wouldn't have felt that that's necessarily the case for a lot of no, people struggling you know for you know small you know small towns across the uk where there is um you know ethnic families living within them yeah, yeah um encountered all kinds of discrimination um and i can imagine somewhere like newcastle at that point in time 
um, would have been very difficult. Yeah, some of my other relatives did get it, and they, you know, and they went to the same schools as me, mm. um, and they did have to hear that kind of stuff. I think I was just really lucky with the the friends that I had, and and don't get it wrong, like it's not like I never heard any racial stuff. Like where we had our shop mm. is um, one of the worst estates in Newcastle, probably one of the worst worst estates in the country. Yeah, and I spent. Like I, until I was like twenty five, there basically, you know, like we had a shop there, and so I heard everything under the sun said to me and my parents in that area. Mm. But I, also, again, in that area, we had a lot of love. Mm. You know, there's it's just, yeah, it's uh, it feels like a different world that we live in right now. Like it feels even more hostile than it did back then, or maybe I was just young and just bit naive to it all I think we're all then. like you said all of us are kind of yeah like sort of naive to things that are happening um you know worldly now more than ever you know everyone's on another level of woke um with what's happening currently in the world and you know we need to be in a position with the messages that we put across on on this show more than anything else is one of support and one of solidarity and you know, our last show encompassed all of that. Thank you so much to all the people who listened to it. You gave us some great feedback as well from it. Um, not our most listened to show, um, which was disappointing for us because in a way it's telling us that maybe our community is not possibly ready to, you know, accept that level of anti-blackness within the collective community. Um but, you know, this is something that it's it's always going to be small steps. You know, we have opened up the discussion and the conversation and the rest is up to our listeners to echo those same sentiments to their circles and their families and the people within their communities. And also educate them and, you know, and challenge them. Like I had a conversation with my parents the other day and, you know, they said something and I challenged them on it. I was like, no, yeah. you know, you can't you know, in one breath say, no, you know, we all stand together and then the next breath say something that actually proves that we don't, you yeah. know? And that, like, and I I was just like, that's not, that's not acceptable. Mm, <laughs> and no. it made them think. They, you know, they realised that they had said something wrong. They hadn't realised, and they didn't even say it wrong. It was just the tone that they said this thing yeah, in. Course, and yeah. I was like, that's, well, why are you saying it like that? Like, you know, why would, why, where's the need to say it like that? And then they realised that they had done something wrong. Yeah. It's only when you get picked up on it is there is when you realise that these things are not the right things to say, etc. Um, and years and years would have gone by with our elder community saying these things with us kind of silent. Um, and now is the time to speak up. And it and it should be now going forward yeah. um, to alleviate that mindset to settle in you know and it's not just our elders it's everyone it's yeah, everyone course, yeah. in our own generation and younger anyone who thinks that it's okay to say something uh derogatory or in a derogatory tone even you know like we all know that tone yeah and and you know what it means so you know pick them up on it pick them up on it absolutely um and you know like with our whole ethos with this show is also to to bridge communities and to bring people together um, and, you know, by showing solidarity towards the black community is something very, very important to us. Um, but, you know, for the second half of this show, it's bridging another side of the community, which is also quite important to me, um, because we're going to be joined by James Divine Stoneman. Now, a lot of people who listen to this 
potentially won't have a clue who this person is. Yeah. Um, but if you are an ardent listener of our show, back in 2018, almost two years to the month even, um, this gentleman won University Challenge. Well, he captained his team in winning University Challenge. Um, uh, and in any other space and time, it would have just been a, you know, a story that would have been awesome, great for him, excellent. But what resonates the most with me is the fact that he went to St. John's in Cambridge, but he's actually from Southall, my Southall. Yeah. And it, it was a real, um, like we're talking about eye openers mm. and, and like in the start of the show. And that was a real eye opener for me, you know, because like Southall's always been home, but it's always been very heavily Asian populated. And, and everywhere you look, you know, it's very, very difficult to see anyone other than, you know, Asians. Um, and it's around. easy to only, only talk to Asians in Southall, I think. Exactly. You don't have to have anything to do with anyone else from any other community no, in Southall. Exactly, exactly. Because like the, within a five mile radius, it, it's going to be 80 to 90% Asian people. Um, but, you know, here is, you know, a lad from Southall that went to a school just down the road from me, uh, went through the state school system, got all the way to Cambridge and captained his team to win University Challenge. And when he was on that show, he specifically said, I'm from Southall in West London. So it wasn't like a kind of, yeah, I'm from Greater London or some or West London or something. He, you know, he was very proud of the fact that he's a Southallian. Um, and, and so for me, it was a fantastic for me and, and a very proud moment that, you know, Southall was propelled into the mainstream spotlight like that in a really positive way because yeah. God knows how many negative things have been happening in around Southall for so many years that people have pick up on in news, etc. Um, and I, I, I knew I had to get him on this show because we always talk about the fact that we're, you know, a minority race here in the UK and what it's like to live and grow up around, you know, our environments here. But for someone like him who's grown up in an environment that is very much uh, a racially diverse town, in fact, that he's potentially the minority within, I just wanted to get that perspective um, and what it was like for him growing up in the same town as I am and looking at things from two very, very different perspectives, um, which was, yeah, really, really important. And so he's our guest on the second half of the show, Bridging Communities Together. Yes. Thanks, Jojovi. <laughs> but what else has been happening this week? So you and I were on another podcast. We were. So usually we're the ones conducting the interviews, getting people on, doing all the talking and, and you know, general chit-chat. But the godfather, Satman, is back. No longer with the British Asian podcast, which was the original Don Dada. But he's now back with the SMT, still interviewing guests, um, not so much doing it in person like he did back in the day, literally traveling all across the whole UK to meet up with people and, and talk about their stories, but from the comfort of his own room and he can get people on via Skype and Zoom and conversate. And it's a lot more like, I don't know, it's not less intimate, but it's a lot more informal and a lot more chatty. Uh, the and same it's way, way forward, isn't it? No one wants to leave their homes anymore, yeah. even if they can. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to go. You don't want to leave your home. For you can't meetings. leave your home though. 
No, but you don't want to for a meeting anymore. Like now we know that Zoom is a thing yeah, exactly. that we can use. Zoom just kills Skype, isn't it? Skype is gone. How is Skype going to fuck that up? Oh, wow. Well, How is. are they going to... They didn't they... put any quizzes on there. That's why. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I so we did it and I was like, makeup on, nice jumper on, pajama bottoms. Yeah. Because no one could see my legs. It was fine. And I had uh, my zip up top and no pants. I was like, what's the point? No one's going to be able to see me from like... You had boxes on. I had boxes on, obviously. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, No no commando here. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah no, it was great to chat to Satman. You know, I was on his show. Uh, it must have been, what was it? Four years ago, potentially. Um, and How long ago? It was a long time. I think it was within the first year of us being married and living here. Um, and oh, whatever. Don't, don't repeat it. Don't well, I'm not going to repeat the story. Actually, if you want to listen to what happened the first time Satman came to our place to interview me and Jojo B's conduct on that particular day. Oh, whatever. Listen, he loves painting listen, me in a terrible light. Listen to the SMT with the native immigrants to hear the full story. And you also hear about a, a dream that Jojo B had that, that, um, <laughs> amazingly had myself and Satman in it. Um, it's not what it sounds like. Well, you'll have to listen to it to find out. You've just given a spoiler away anyway, to be fair. <laughs> um, but big up, to, big up to Satman. Thank you so much for having us on. And we will continue to have that conversation with him at future shows and have a chance to hopefully get him on ours as well at the same time. Yeah, fingers crossed. It's really weird being interviewed though. Uh, is it? Yeah, so like, I prefer doing the interviewing. Yeah, um, my whole life I've been interviewed. Me doing the interviewing now in the last few episodes of our show has been a, a real kind of, yeah, n something I'm not used to. And, you know, having to watch your words and the way you ask questions and stuff like that, it's so much easier to answer a question so rather than ask you're, it. You're the yin to my yang, because I don't really like being interviewed. I don't mm. mean I don't mind it, but it's just not my, it's not my uh, preference. And you love being interviewed. That's because I've got like a genuine That's story. Work. Um, I ask know. all the questions and he has all the answers. Exactly. They're usually wrong. But he has answers. That's the wrong one. Screw you. <laughs> Remember who the star is. Um, but yeah, talking about stars, yours truly will also be on the Blindian Project podcast. Yes, you will. Coming up uh, this weekend, Saturday the 13th, which is also our anniversary. It is. I've given yeah. him permission to step away yeah. from anniversary duties uh, for a little while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but no, I've, you know, not the whole night. Not the, the whole night. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm there for a little while to discuss uh, not only the solidarity uh, between the Black and South Asian communities, um, but also discuss something that we spoke about in our last episode. You know, the Southall riots and how our communities were so united during that front, and why there is the divide that's apparent in today's society now. Um, but shout to the Blindian Project. Um, they've got the rum and roti event this weekend as well. Our boy DJ Donnie Brasco will be providing the music, and I'll be on there from about 9 p.m. I think, and you might even hear me spit some solidarity bars as well at the same time. Very nice. So all that to come. Um, but on the other side of this break, we're going to be talking to University Challenge winner and fellow Southallian James Divine Stoneman. <laughs> See you on the other side, people.
Welcome back to the second half of The Native Immigrants. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And on this half of the show, we are joined by a guest. Now, um, this guest is very different to the normal guests we have here on The Native Immigrants. Obviously, we're always, always championing uh, famous faces and people that have done things around the British Asian community. But I feel with this gentleman, we're looking at a potential unsung hero of our local communities because not only is he a university challenge winner which is a massive plaudit in itself he also captained his team in winning but the big thing for me and for you Jojo B when we spoke about this two years ago when this happened because we're both ardent viewers of university challenge and I heard something when this gentleman was talking about where he was from and I had to rewind it a couple of times just to make sure what I heard was correct now he's from Southall my Southall you know the <laughs> town that I've grown up in my, for 35 years of my life this was you know ingrained in my blood but this gentleman was also from Southall and it astounded me um, that he not only came from one of our schools, but got to the highest, most elite universities of, of the UK, Cambridge, St. John's College. And he captained his team and won University Challenge. And for me, I just thought, wow, to put Southall on the map like this is amazing. And the fact that he said he's from Southall as well, without talking about I'm from West London or some of like that was just, yeah, for me, just amazing. I remember the levels of excitement when we were watching it and we heard Southall be said, and then we rewound it just to make sure that that's what you actually said. We were like, is this, is this possible that there is someone from Southall on University Challenge? Mm, this levels yeah. of kind of like we were just astounded absolutely astounded it was really fun though it was really good to see and you know um yeah for me like i said um, i'm always championing southall um throughout my whole life through my music um through everyone that i connect with and i'd like to think that this gentleman has also done the same so we want to welcome to the show james divine stoneman how's it going james hi good to be here good to be on the show uh it's going it's going well yeah i'm um i'm currently in southall i'm at my parents house big up yourself um, so yeah i've been been down here since march because um so when the lockdown happened i well, i came from cambridge to southall just before the day before the lockdown started um and so i've been here now um still working on my phd thesis um wow. and then looking i'm about to uh, I'm about to move away from Southall, unfortunately, but I'm, I'm starting a job. I'm staying in London. I'll be close. Well, Southall uh, will miss you uh, as and when you do leave. Yeah. Um, but like, so, okay, first things first, like, I remember you saying that you're from Southall, West London, but I'm sure that you said that you were studying, is it superconducting spintronics? That's exactly right, yeah. So um, now, I... Like I think, I think I speak from behalf of myself and most of our listenership. What the hell is that? Right. Yeah. So, like you know, I wanted to be as specific as possible in my introduction. So hmm. that's why I said Southall, and yeah. then you know I could have said for my PhD I could have said material science, which is my subject more broadly. But I went for superconducting spintronics, 
because wow. it's such a cool buzzword. My lab said, you've got to say that. <laughs> um, and it, it's true. It is is actually a thing. Some people tweet, some people tweeted that they found our research after I said it, they looked it up. If you look at the Google trend history, you see a massive spike around the time I was on TV. That's the only time pretty much anyone searched for superconducting spintronics. Um, so what it is, is so the, the application is in computing. Mm. And since about, I think the seventies, there's been this idea of spintronics, which is, so you've got electrons, um, you, Computers mainly work by moving around electrons. So you've got electrical currents. You're turning kind of tiny switches on and off transistors. Um, but then electrons also have a property called spin, which is a right. quantum mechanical property, which is kind of, it's a bit like um, if you spin a basketball on your finger, you can spin it one of two ways. So that's a way to encode information. Oh, um, wow. So if you can, okay. or, you know, the Earth spinning on its axis, there's there's one of two ways. Um, and that can encode information. And that can go on to influence uh, magnetic recording materials. So if a spin passes through a magnet, it can flip the magnet. And so that's a way of storing information. Amazing. Well, that, that's... And uh... then, the, the superconductivity is um, uh, electrical current flowing with zero resistance. So usually you have resistance, you lose energy to heat. Mm. In the superconducting state, you don't. So it's a way to potentially be very energy efficient. And the idea is in the future, this could be very energy, a very energy efficient computing paradigm. Wow. Okay. That was, um, wow. it, it was, um, it, it explained it in a layman's terms for me, but I lost you at spinning a basketball. Um, right. so, so I'm hoping people <laughs> that will be a little bit more clued in than I will, but we'll do a little bit more research. Well, yeah. The thing is, I mean, is. spin, spin is just impossible to explain because yeah. it's, it's a bit like a spinning ball, but it's not, it's, right. it's not, the electron doesn't actually spin but it has angular momentum, which is another thing. Yes. Okay. We'll say for our next show on all things spinning, we'll have to get you on um, to, to <laughs> yeah, elaborate yeah. more on that. I look forward <laughs> exactly to that what it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the reason, obviously, we got you on the show um, is, like I said, I'm from Southall, um, as are you. Um, and it's to get a, a bit more of an understanding on what, it was like for you growing up in in that area so so how yeah. long had your family actually lived in Southall and were you actually born locally or had, did you move yeah. there basically um so I was born in Hammersmith Queen Charlotte's Hospital um but um yeah my parents like for the first couple of years they're around um at first they were staying with their relatives um there wasn't really a stable household um looking around they and then um through family members they got someone knew a landlord they found a flat in uh Northolt. Mm -hmm. um so that was where it was for the first year growing up and then in 95 so it's just it's just gone 25 years we moved to the house i'm currently in now mm. so um it was 95 i think it was like the middle of a housing crash and my dad managed to put together the deposit for 
the house where I am right now, um, which is just it's it's like kind of the, at the edge of Southall, going towards Greenford. Oh, okay. Yes, that's not actually oh. far from. Um, that's not far from me. Actually, we okay. live, yeah. I live um, okay. right on the borderline of Southall and Greenford, over my parents' place. Right. So um, yeah, I went to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to um, Allenby Primary School. That's oh, my no local way. primary school. Yeah. No, no way. way. No way. So I, I went to Lady Margaret, um, okay. which is just a little bit like it was, it was, it's, it's almost equidistant. I could have either gone to Allenby or I could have gone to Lady Margaret. Um, and I just think it was a case of most of our community, the people we knew went to the Lady Margaret. And so it was easy enough for yeah. us to go there ourselves, but I could have been, could have been, yeah, I would have been a few years ahead yeah, of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was actually very close to us as well. Um, and then I went to um, Dormers Wells, which is just next door. Yeah. So, yeah. see, growing up for me in... So I, I'm a few years ahead of you, but 90s Dormers Wells was potentially a very different school to by the time you went in because it yeah. always had a bit of a sort of a reputation as such with it. Um, yeah. It yeah. did improve over the, the course of time, um, mm. but it, it always had this kind of underlying... Um, sort of, yeah, a, a bit of a bad reputation, I guess, in the 80s and then and in the early 90s. Um, so for yeah, you, I think that's broadly what I heard, yeah. Yeah, So, for, but for you growing up, I guess, in, in 2000 Southall, in such a, like, an ethnically diverse area, how was that for you um, in terms of your um, growing up and, and the people that you were around, um, friends, and with it being so rich in culture? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I, yeah, I guess it, when you grow up in, you know, you, you don't really think about it, you don't really question it, but um, then you realise kind of that this is an unusual area in terms of, you know, like, I've got... So my mum's side of the family, um, they're more scattered. So um, her mum was from Lincolnshire. So I've got family kind of more in the countryside um, or they've, you know, they're around kind of, around kind of East Anglia, mm-hmm. but that kind of area. So when you go out there, of course, you notice a massive difference in terms of, you know, you see lots of white people. Mm. whereas you don't so much grow up around mm. Southall. Um, and so, yeah, I think so at school, I remember kind of, um, I think there is a kind of, there is always that tendency of people grouping around kind of cultural things around language, you know, religion, whatever it is. So you see different, you see groups kind of form like mm-hmm. that so i i remember like you know in primary school and through to high school there's maybe about kind of three or four white kids in the class and you know sometimes white kids kind of stick together st- stuck together i mean not always like through i remember like my best friends throughout school were like in um when I went to Allenby, my best friend was probably white. I mean, mm-hmm. probably who my best friend was, he was white. Um, then in private, then in um, um, I went to Stanhope Primary uh, Stanhope Primary School. Yeah, yeah. I went Allenby Infant School, then Stanhope Primary School. 
Um, and there, my best friend um, was um, Gujarati. Pick up. Um, and uh, are you Gujarati? I am Gujarati indeed. Yes, indeed. Okay, right. Gujarati okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, and then, uh, like, yeah, in, in high school, I had a mix. I had, um, you know, I was good friends with a white guy and also with a um, an Afghan guy who, mm-hmm. well, he was German actually, but his heritage was Afghan. Sure. Um, so it's a, there's a lot of things like that as well. You've got, you know, people from other um, European countries whose, um, you know, their background is um, somewhere else. Yeah. There's a lot of that as well. Did you encounter any kind of, any cultural challenges at all um, during that time? Just being around, um, you know, the book Southall is predominantly like Asian um, as such. Um, yeah. Did you yourself encounter any challenges? Well, I, th- I don't know. It's um, I, like I say, I think there is kind of, um, you know, sometimes it's cultural, sometimes it's language. People tend to prefer to stick to what they know. Mm. But I feel like at the same time, there was kind of an overarching um, kind of community spirit mm-hmm. that, you know, everybody was a part of. Um, so, I mean, it was like, I mean, I remember someone, my teacher at Stanhope described dormers as a friendly school. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that's a good description. It was kind of, um, you know, I didn't feel much hostility from any angle there. Um, and I think there was a kind of widely a kind of respect of education and achievement. So the fact that I was doing well, um, you know, always getting good marks in exams, that was kind of respected rather than, you know, ridiculed. Yeah, of course. Um, so, okay, so growing up around Southall, um, you know, obviously you said closer towards the, the Greenford side, but go a little bit further this way and you're getting towards like Southall Broadway and places like that. Did you ever yeah, yeah. frequent the Broadway? Did you ever pop down there for some Jalibia? Um, <laughs> um, so I, I guess not so often. Mm. Like, I, I don't know... I don't know the ins and outs of the Broadway that well. I mean, okay. of, of course, I've been down there from time to time, um, often passed through, you know, get the bus there. Yeah. Um, been down there for a couple of things. Um, you know, the fun fair comes to South, Southall Park, of that kind of thing. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of, I guess there's a kind of world there that I'm, I wasn't quite able to access again because of the kind of language thing mm. or the kind of cultural thing. Um, of course, you know, to some extent I was exposed to that through the people I was, you know, going to school with and, you know, had friends go around their house. You see um, different language, different culture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it was, it would have been nice in hindsight to kind of try to, um, try to appreciate that more and try to kind of, you know, I mean, I guess maybe it's a big ask to try and, you know, say learn Gujarati or something. <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 <laughs> but, Gujarati. You know, they, they don't teach, but yeah. 
Yeah, because I'm, I'm Gujarati. Yeah. I'm married to a Punjabi, and I can't get her to learn that language after six years okay. of marriage. So fair yeah. enough. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we share a lot yeah. of similar words and stuff, and I still don't. I can understand it a bit, but I, I can't speak it. No. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't blame you for not trying to learn that. But yeah, I mean, there is a big. I mean, obviously, Southall is a huge kind of. Um, it's a centre for that kind of cult. Well many cultures in a way mm. but it's um you know like i've got friends who you know um friends of indian heritage they can't believe i'm from self like, oh no way we go down there when we need to buy this or that you know particular yeah. cultural um thing um so yeah it's kind of like always being there kind of being on the fringe of it not quite understanding because i don't have the language um but you know it's kind of it's interesting to be around. I think growing up, of course, I didn't think it was anything unusual. Yeah, but of course. Of course, most white kids in the UK would grow up seeing, like, you know, your local butcher, baker, pubs, and, you know, everything English. Um, but, yeah, so it's quite a different experience. Definitely not the case for that in Southall, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of uh, dabas and, and uh, Indian sweet shops and uh, sari shops. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So did you, based on what you just said, did you, do you ever feel that you were ex- not excluded, but there is a thing that we talk about a lot within our show with that Asians and the, our communities tend to segregate themselves um, in pockets across the UK. And, you know, our generation have integrated a lot more, but there is still a lot of, um, I don't say anti-integration, you know, very much sticking to their own. Um, do you ever feel yeah, that, yeah. that basically that kind of exclusion inhibited you from potentially embracing the local culture? Um, not really, no. I think... Um... I think I put it more down to myself that, you know, it was kind of, um, uh, well, I guess it's kind of the, you know, the, the official language and the language everyone's using is obviously English. So, Mm. and that's kind of, you know, we need to find a common language to use. Um, so there was kind of no incentive to, um, step foot more in those other cultures. Mm-hmm. Other yeah. any further than kind of like you know you go around your friend's house, you have a different different food, or the neighbours got Pakistani neighbours they bring us their food, yeah, um, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say like I would. I think the barrier was kind. I, I guess the barrier is kind of that you know everybody's striving to communicate in English and kind of in an. English is the kind of level uh, playing field that everyone <laughs> gravitates towards. So, yeah. um, therefore, of course, like, that's the problem English people have anyway, more broadly, is we don't learn other languages because mm. everybody is trying to learn English. Or if yeah. you, even if you do try to learn another, another language, like you go to Paris and you start trying to speak French, they'll just mm. give you a funny look and speak to you in English because they can tell you're... <laughs> Yeah. No, Johnny yeah. Foreigner. Yeah. We've heard yeah. that. We've heard that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so coming from a state school in Southall and then going to Cambridge, an elite university, like did was there a culture clash for you when you got there? Um 
I guess it's kind of, yeah, it's a very different world. So, you know, in my first day when I arrived there, um, we kind of picked the room. You pick the room just without knowing anything in advance. You go on a ballot, you pick the room based on, you know, size, location, you don't really know. So when I arrived, I was between, I ended up between a guy from Eton and a guy from Charterhouse, both choral scholars. Wow. So quite a different, different background to Just a what I, yeah. So, and, and I remember my dad talking to one of their dads about what we we're doing, um, you know, about things away from what we're doing. Um, and he'd done, the other guy's dad had done natural sciences at Cambridge, which is what I was going to do. Um, and But there was obviously this kind of, you know, it always feels a bit funny when my dad visits Cambridge because it's kind of, um, or my mum really, um, there's a, you know, they were quite far from that kind of world. Um, so my dad's never, never quite felt comfortable, I think, when he comes to Cambridge. He always feels a bit, you know, have I got to put on a suit, have I? You know, he <laughs> <laughs> always feels a bit out of place. Um, I took him to the um, one of the college formal dinners um, about a year ago. Um, and, yeah, he said he preferred the fish and chips in the pub that we had in the afternoon. So. <laughs> Classic West London oh, man. I love it. Yeah. Love it. So, you know, we've read in the past that students of colour at some of these um, elite universities um, face some racial prejudice and... And I was just wondering if you'd ever witnessed anything like that happening, that kind of been in a room and someone said something and you felt uncomfortable about it or all that kind of thing. Like, did you ever see that happening? Because I've heard of it, but mm. and I went to I went to Newcastle University, so it's not quite as elite, but, it, you know, it's still yeah, kind of yeah. up there. And, I, and I'm from Newcastle, so I was a local girl and I was like, I, I still never felt quite, I never felt very comfortable in... Yeah in the room I did an economics course there was a lot of people that were from um you know private schools and kind of um, had gone to like public schools and stuff and I, here I was a state school girl from from Newcastle who went into a room and just felt very uncomfortable and I was wondering if there was ever any of that that you yeah. witnessed. So I think personally I never witnessed anything like that it might be that I'm less attuned to it that's one possibility I think the other part of it is that I, you know, I've, I kind of stayed around circles which were very, um, you know, kind of very liberal or very um, kind of away from where you might expect that to come from. So when we do hear in Cambridge about these kind of um, the more... Um, so we have, for example, there's um, the Pitt Club, which is our version of the Bullingdon Club from Oxford, mm. where there's Boris Johnson and yeah, yeah. those kind of people. So there is that kind of thing, and you do hear from that, or the, the drinking societies as well. They often cause controversy with, you know, um, kind of misogynistic, racist comments. Um, Are they like the, the equivalent of like a frat? Like kind of yeah very, so yeah, okay, yeah exactly that so the kind of yeah it's it's very much like that drinking societies kind of 
um, or sometimes it's intertwined with sport. So, you know, the sporting, um, the big sports in Cambridge, they often have these kind of problems as well. Mm. And that overspills sometimes and it gets into the media. It brings really bad press to the university, so they really don't like it. Um, So, but yeah, I've never, never mixed in those circles. So I think on the other hand, you've got Cambridge is kind of one of the most liberal places in the UK, otherwise both the the town and the students there. So, you know, we've been, um, recently it's been heavily a labour place before it was Lib Dem. Um, And it's kind of, obviously you have the kind of young Tories, um, you know, um not you know not that i'm associating all tories with the kind of uh yeah yeah kind of world but um there's there's a range there as well um but uh, what am i saying so yeah i think by and large it's an extremely uh, tolerant liberal community compared to most of the rest of the uk it's just that when there is some controversy there, um, it tends to pick up and cause, you know, it's often picked up in the national media. Um, and because of that, I've heard that, you know, the universities have said, Oxford and Cambridge have both said that they are trying to become more diverse in yeah. terms of, you know, racially diverse and also socioeconomically diverse. Have you seen that happening? Have you seen a change happen while you've been there? Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't said of I've been talk, kind of talking about the students. I haven't talked about the institution itself much at all. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, there are kind of, in the in the institution, there are kind of a lot of old dinosaurs who are very anti-change. So, for example, you know, my college was one of the last to admit women in the 80s. Wow. Um, so um, it was until, I can't remember what year, but it was, you know, sometime in the 20th century women still couldn't uh, get a degree they could attend so when the when the women's colleges started uh, girton and Newnham, they women could take the course but they couldn't um receive the degree um what yeah so um and that that changed some somewhere don't want to say but somewhere that along the way that changed and then the colleges started, rest of the colleges started admitting women, um, which the last one was in the late 80s, so quite recent, in fact. Um, Jeez. Uh, back to the question, um, you know, how is the diversity shape? Well, obviously, it's kind of, it's very much in the consciousness of, came, of the institution. Um, you know, they want to they want their numbers to look good basically they want to kind of demonstrate that they're doing something um so there is a kind of drive for that there's been a big drive for um state school um getting more state school students in um i think it's now about 50 50 if i remember not quite sure but then of course the private schools are only seven percent of students in the uk um And of course, they look a lot also at the ethnic, the ethnicity 
data as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, it's always, it's always very heavily, um, the focus of the media as well, because it's such a big debate mm. and it yeah. kind of, it always, um, so, the, you know, Cambridge will say they're doing something and then someone will say they're not doing enough. Um, it always gets into the national press and you get like usual arguments coming out time and time again. It's a very kind of hot issue. Um, but I think, I think progress is being made. Um, I think there's kind of, is like minorities are more visible now in um, Oxbridge in a way that they haven't really been before. Um, so yeah, I think the, the kind of publicity is the first, um, the first step there. And, you know, you've had big things recently, like the Stormzy scholarships, mm -hmm. um, yeah. making yes, the news. Um, so there's efforts from outside as well. But of course, um, of course that doesn't solve the problem of, of the admissions. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I think a lot of the time the inequalities in admissions go back to, you know, underlying social structural factors before, um, before they come to Cambridge interview. So the kind of these disadvantaged groups are disadvantaged from the outset and it's kind of Cambridge are kind of trying to work with some, some, a situation which is already unequal. So Cambridge are bringing in actually a, a kind of foundation year. I'm not sure what the status of that is now, but there was talk of them bringing in a foundation year, which is aiming at um, taking disadvantaged uh, students um, and kind of disadvantaged students with potential and kind of bringing them up to the level for first year uh, undergraduate course where they've been, you know, let down by their education previously, they have another chance to get up to speed, to be ready for the undergraduate degree. Okay. So there are things going on. There's always more that can be done, of course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So if we look at your time on University Challenge, yeah. how, how did that come about? How did you become captain? What was the selection process behind it? So that was actually, I think my, yeah, it was my fifth year of going for it. So in my first year as a fresher, I just thought I'll do this for a laugh. Um, and I didn't make it onto the team. Boom. Um, but then I thought, oh, I quite like this. I started going to the quizzing society. So they have, they have a quiz society nice. where, they, where they have buzzers. So you go along and... <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, they have buzzers. You buzz in. You learn to lose your inhibition of <laughs> maybe being wrong. Um, and some of those, you know, we I was talking about drinking societies, but um, sometimes with the quizzing, we would be quizzing and drinking until six a.m. Wow, <laughs> that was the that was the level. That's yeah. That's, that sounds yeah. like our kind of party. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a bit too hardcore. It was a for very me. nerdy party. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we yeah there were some uh, the, the kind of rock and roll wild moments of quizzing there. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. But um, 
yeah, um, you can imagine the nerdiest kind of party ever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I got. Um, is it like is it like starter for ten, where it's just really intense and you have to really kind of practice and all that kind of stuff? Is it is it kind is of that, yeah yeah? Okay. I was I, I guess I was the kind of Benedict Cumberbatch character. Lovely. You know, I, I didn't <laughs> quite have the whistle and the blackboard, but um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I got, so I got onto the team actually three times. Um, but then you go to an audition and there's, um, you go in two teams at a time and the producers come to Cambridge and then they set you a written quiz there. Um, and then they interview you as a team and then they just take who they want. So you need to meet a certain baseline on the quiz, Mm -hmm. but beyond that, um, they're looking for colleges that haven't been on a while. Um, so there's always about 10 Oxbridge colleges on and then 18 other universities. And there's a whole load of controversies over, you know, is that fair that Oxbridge gets 10 colleges? Um, well, mm. usually Cambridge, about five, Oxford five. But, um, anyway, it was the third, third time that I made the team. It was the first time I was the captain um so after the trials so they run trials um the it's kind of student led led by the um the what's called the junior combination room committee um they have an academic affairs officer who runs the trials um and you just go along answer written questions and they invite back the best people and you kind of do a buzzer around to try and select the team so you're kind of selecting the top scorers but also trying to have a good balance of subjects and it worked out quite well in the end that we had um i on physical sciences we had an american who does um politics and it's always good to have an american on the team because there's always like american knowledge <laughs> yeah of course um yeah there's we had um a fresher doing french and german um, but she brought so much knowledge, literature, history, pretty much everything, really. Um, and then our fourth guy was a vet. Um, okay. So it was a good broad team. And in fact, I had, you also have to have a reserve. And the trials kind of left it unclear. And the, the vet, so he made the team, but in the trials, they told him, oh, you're the reserve. Hmm. And he wasn't having that. Oh, dear. <laughs> so <me>. it was, <laughs> um, and it was kind of a debate as to whether it was fair or not, because the other guy hadn't turned up to that part of the trials. Um, and so basically it was a whole mess, and it came down to me to select who was going to be oh, on the Oh, damn. <laughs> There's a lot of, of £10 so, snuck into your pocket, I'm assuming, that yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they had, like, they had similar knowledge. One was a vet, one was a medic. Um, in the end, I chose the guy I did because he had this very sharp mind for kind of mental arithmetic. Right. And it, it paid off on the show because, well, all sort of like IQ, like those kind of puzzles he can just do instantly. Yeah, so there's a question on the show, which um, multiple of 10 is the only integer which is spelled in alphabetical order. And before Jeremy had even said alphabetical, 
he buzzed in and said 40. Jeez. Which is the right answer. Oh, <laughs> my word. It was quite an iconic what? moment. And then Jeremy asked him, did you know that or did you work it out? And then he just said, guess I worked it out. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Baller. And then everyone on Twitter was calling him bullshitter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mate, you got the question oh, right, brilliant. and you've yeah. got you to thank for it, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, amazing, amazing. Well, you did indeed win it. Um, so what has life been like um, since winning? And uh, Like, me and, me and Jojo, we watched the, the series, you know, year in, year out, yeah. and there's been obviously two prime characters that have come out of University Challenge in yeah, the last yeah. few years. Yeah, Talking about Monkman and Siegel, yeah. um, who both had... And now a, a television career based on their popularity on the show. Hmm. Is that something that you've ever th- thought about thinking of pursuing potentially? Kind of, yeah. So I, th- it's always been my kind of sideline career plan to kind of become a career quizzer, like an egghead or a chaser. Nice. Um, nice. So, but yeah, I know um, Bobby Seagull quite well. We did. Um, he would often come to the quiz practices. Um, Monkman a bit less. I met him only after his fame. Right. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, Bobby's good. Um, uh, yeah, no, yeah, I thought about it. So um, I've, been, I've been applying to more quiz shows since. In fact, it wasn't the first quiz show I did. I went on 15 to 1 before. No which way. Is, Okay. So do you know, do you know it? Of course. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We Some love a quiz show. show so, no, we love yeah. a quiz show. So I was on that in uh, early 2017, um, and my my memory of that is being asked, "In what month is the Vernal Equinox?" And I said, "Autumn, the famous month." Um, but yeah, um, the answer is oh, March. Dear. <laughs> but yeah, so I didn't do too well on that one. I mean, uh, in one of my, in one of them, I, I came fourth. I came fourth in one of my shows. Oh, not bad. And, th- and then I was brutally taken down by one of the others. Dear me. Uh, well, you got the but, last laugh. Anyway, yeah, yeah, and then <laughs> since then, since then, I did the chase. Really, yeah. really, yeah. You've been on the chase. What? Yeah. Do you do you watch it a lot? Yeah. Well, I've been on maternity leave, so I watched it all the time. And I was I was also redundant for a good few months in the end of 2018. So our life was basically watching Tenable, The Chase, Tipping Point, all these shows. So I'm I'm amazed that we we did. Yeah, I I really wanted to do the chase because it's like, first of all, I think it's the show which you've got the most chance of winning money on. Mm. Yeah. and also it's, it is for a daytime show it's really quite difficult and highbrow it's kind yeah. of it's it's a challenge it's not you know like any other just casual tea time show um yeah so yeah i won't spoil it if you want to see i'll send you because it's on youtube oh is um, it okay yeah yes. please, so please. My, yeah, my, send it. yeah there's uh yeah I'll, you can see how i did um Oh, Have you wow. ever thought of going on Only Connect? Only I was Connect literally is a just about to ask. I, wanted, I was <laughs> yeah. literally just about to ask exactly the same question because I, that, that sh- we love that show because yeah. we yep. between us, if we get between like five to six answers correct over the whole show, yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's a triumphant week for me and Jojo B. <laughs> yeah, um, it's there's really weeks like, we go without anything. So it's it's even more. Um, yeah, it's even more obtuse than University Challenge <laughs> yeah. in a way because it's. Yeah. You've got it's kind of like cryptic crossword type thing at times. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I, I discussed it with my university challenge team and they're all kind of dispersed now in different, they're all around the world, different mm. places. Um, but they, yeah, like even Rosie, who was kind of the star player on my team, she said, only connect, don't really, you know, my brain doesn't really work in that way. It's a bit different. Um, I think, I, I, re I do like the show. I think also I'm, you know, I do struggle with it as well. But I, I think, you know, I'm, I, I would still consider it. Um, and now I'm getting involved with, um, there's something called the Quiz League of London. Oh, so okay. there's a, a quizzing Secret league, London-based, London kind of, yeah. <laughs> wow. um, so I, I'm joining that now and we're doing our, we're going to do our matches over Zoom, you know, as you have to nowadays. Usually yeah. it would be down the pub. So hopefully soon we'll be back in the pubs. But um, but yeah, with the, like a lot of the serious quizzes end up there. So there's Mastermind Champions, there's Chasers, and Hegarty's part of it. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Sometimes sometimes the, the others turn up. Um, I met Sean Wallace actually at a tournament in Oxford at one point a few nice. years ago. Um, and our team beat his team. So that was Big cool. up. <laughs> Southall wins again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, but yeah, with these like some of these people from down Quiz League of London, I can imagine I might do only connect in future. Big up! Well, we will definitely yeah. like we're we're week in week out viewers, so we'll be championing yep. you the next time you're on. Um, yeah, but like I think it would be difficult for us to not at least touch on um, things that are happening in the world right now. Yeah. Um, aside of obviously the global pandemic, um, a lot has happened recently. Um, since um, the murder of George Floyd. Um, and there's been a number of protests that have happened across the world, London included. You've obviously come from a very racially diverse area. Mm. Um, have you got any thoughts about what's been happening and how we can find ways to progress and bridge communities together more than anything else? Yeah, so... Obviously, it's been a very sad time, um, you know, to see that something like that can happen um, with George Floyd um, still in 2020. Um, but in a way, it's kind of what's come out of it is kind of cause for hope, I think, because I've seen, I've seen, you know, the kind of overwhelming response of just kind of like education and dialogue on social media, um, which has really changed compared to you know, even what it was 10 years ago. For example, you know, 10 years ago, we all thought that the, the, cons the thing to be was, oh, it's fine, you're just not racist, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Everyone's just aiming to show that they're not racist. And it's kind of, like, you often see white people very uncomfortable when they're, um, their challenge that they may have some biases um, they kind of don't know how to react, get very defensive. Um, and now there's much more this kind of opening up of the dialogue and kind of, you know, the concept of unconscious bias, people are understanding more and more, yeah. um, which you haven't really seen before. So on the front of psychology, people are understanding why we hold the biases we do, 
we're recognizing those more now looking into you know how we can get around that um and you know i think it's become a lot more nuanced as well the discussion i've seen a lot more kind of um you know there's recognition of kind of anti-blackness specifically as yeah. opposed to just racism in general um which is kind of an important aspect to if we can be more specific about what the problems are we can hopefully tackle them in a better way in a more united way um so that kind of shifting of the dialogue and also just you know the sharing of you know if i look through my instagram story i can see you know oh there are these books there are these kind of aspects to consider which maybe i haven't considered before um so kind of i think overall there's a, a feeling of hope that maybe we can bring about some change by understanding our own biases better where these problems come about in society mm. um it's quite I, I, it is kind of like i you know i looked at it all happening like, what what can i do i don't know what can i do about it you know it's yeah. if you feel you should say something but you don't know what to say should you use your social media channels what are you going to make a difference what's the best way to tackle it it's kind of at first it is very overwhelming um so i've been trying to kind of listen as much as possible to what people around me are saying um and yeah i think that's the way forward really it's kind of just listening to um listening to the people that are being marginalized you know in this case it's the black community um yeah. and yeah another day it's another community so it's about um it's about listening to those voices first and foremost. Well, thank you so much to James Divine Stoneman. I, like I said, I, I need to say it <laughs> in, in the, full, the full name uh, in order to get its gravitas. But you said you've got a nickname amongst your circles? Well, it's, it's not so much of a nickname, but just the short form JDS. JDS. Okay, in the quizzing world but, yeah. i mean that that sounds like a rap name as well to yeah. be fair you know so you know if ever there is a you know a collaboration between swami rakas and jds um you know we can obviously talk about being from southall obviously for first and foremost on this yeah, track yeah um i think we can get you to um potentially spit some bars in the future yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um once once this lockdown is eventually eventually subsided um it'd be great to to touch base with you in southall and you know and just because i you know i it's been a few years since i've moved out even i haven't had a chance to pop down to southall broadway for a very very long time um and yeah. so it'd just be great for you know for us both to kind of you know sample some of the local culture again yeah um, yeah yeah you know um yeah i think yeah i think there's there's, there's a lot i've missed out on um you know there, there's is there's a lot, a lot i'd like to go and properly see you know yeah no absolutely and you know we'll be the first people to come mm. and, and check and check it out with you as well at the same time yeah but thank you so I've got much one last question oh, Sorry, bombshell one last bombshell <laughs> from jojo v one last question. We, Bonus. we've asked all our guests this and we've we haven't asked you yet oh yes yes L lockdown is pretty much coming i mean it's starting slowly to come to an end we're yeah. kind of just kind of easing up slowly now 
Uh, but once it's fully over and, you know, the world is relatively kind mm. of settled again in terms of the pandemic, what's the first thing you're going to do? What would you like to do? I Very predictably, it's going to be go down the pub. <laughs> it's, it, if if a, if a quiz is involved, all the better. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I'm really looking forward to meeting some of you know the new people I'm going to meet through the quiz league in mm. person. Um, that'd be cool. Amazing, nice. amazing. Well, thank you so much to James Divine Stoneman. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Um, I'm at J Divine Stoneman on Twitter. Um, James Divine Stoneman, or one word on Instagram. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Big up. All right, well, ma- make sure you follow Thanks him. for having me. Yeah. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Like I, I said to Jojo B a couple of years ago um, when this was happening in University Challenge and we were following it, and um, and it came out that you were from Southall. And, you know, there's a number of different um, social media, um, like, like sort of channels that are south or based etc and all of them were talking about it at the same time um like oh my god and obviously you know the fact that you're white obviously elevated it that much more um but for us and especially for me being from south or um the fact that you said that you're from there and and highlighted that on such a massive um mainstream platform and proud to be where you're from and represent that so so well um was was brilliant to me and i always said that i want to get you on our show because um for 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 me growing up around southall i've been around asians my entire life so i didn't know anything anything different until i went to university and it was a much more diverse range of people and it was a massive culture shock for me but you know what would it have been like for someone else living in that that town that wasn't Asian and was mm. potentially encountering a, a, a identity crisis, um, you know, being in and around so many different cultures. Um, and I, it was a prime reason for us speaking to you because we wanted to get that perspective from you. And I think it's a way to, you know, to, to bring our communities a lot closer together. You know, I, I love the fact that South is very, very diverse um, and everyone, you know, sort of gets together and and we celebrate each other's cultures so well and you know for for someone like yourself to 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 do the same in such a a massive show um becoming champion as well which is a big proud moment for for me especially um because i think apart from shadow from from gladiators he's the only real (laughs) other champion from southall from his respective circle so is he from southall shadow from gladiators is from southall yeah okay you know honestly you you, there's a there's a there's a small group of uh you know some some real heroes from our town so you can put yourself in that bracket um along with along with the the other ones i knew were the um, cleo lane the jazz singer lane yeah um, absolutely yes and jay sean Jay Sean, indeed. Yes, yes indeed. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, honestly, our, ta- our town's had a massive rich history. You know, yeah. Les Ferdinand played football for Southall. There's, there's, there's mm. a lot that we can be very, very proud of. And we're also very, very proud of you and everything that you've achieved. And hope you continue to do so on, on a quiz show uh, yeah. near you, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to James Great. for being really on our chatting. show. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Well, this has been uh, an amazing show. Thank you so much to everyone for listening this week. We'll be back with next week with more of the same. I'm Swambi Barakas. 
And I'm Jojo B. And we'll see you all then, people. Peace. See ya.